Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Hollowdale Media Podcast. Oh, wow, already? Yeah, and breaking news, the thing, Rob, that we've been waiting for forever. Are you talking about Beast Wars? Beast Wars has arrived. Transformers Kingdom on Netflix. What do you think? Ah, oh, oh, oh. Never mind. Next time, maybe in 20... How long do you reckon it'll be enough time for them to try again? Two years. There's the other maybe. one, isn't there? There's the live-action yeah, one. But that's they're going to screw that up. They are going to screw already, Yeah, I they've feel, already broken I feel it. like it's already ruined. Scourge. Yeah, so um, we watched three episodes of the new Beast Wars... Uh, well, the, the third part of the Transformers trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So the plot was rushed. The voices, the voices were the worst thing of all. Well, that's it. I think that's the main thing. I think the plot you could probably get into didn't help you hadn't seen part one and two. No. Although still, it's a bit weak. But the thing that ruined, oh my God. It's not even, it's not even that the voices were wrong, was it? It's that they had the voices correct (laughs) under the wrong bloody character. So they had, uh, Dinobot had Tigertron's voice, and Tigertron had Dinobot's voice, and when I say Tigertron had Dinobot's voice, to a T... Yeah, it was perfect! <laughs> they it had, was a perfect Dinobot voice! They had the guy in the studio, and they gave him to the tiger! They gave him to Who's the tiger. Who's supposed to be a wise, peaceful, pacifist Chinese man? No, we must stop this plan and doom them all! <sighs> yeah, let's go fight! Yeah, uh, Black Black Arachnia was was great. Um, well, all the original Transformers ish are fine. Optimus, Starscream, Almighty Megatron, perfect. Love all that. All great. Black Arachnia wasn't perfect, but pretty pretty good. Yeah, more than acceptable. As, as good as you're gonna get it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Lord Megatron. That, right, Dinobot. Uh, Dinobot was frustrating because they had the voice, they had it on the wrong character. Megatron? What, what was he? You're talking about a voice that, I mean, makes a character more than any other example I can think of. Megatron's voice in the original Beast Wars, I know we're going full nerd here. People who don't have much Beast Wars, they probably couldn't give a damn. But we do! Um, yeah, man, like, it was. it's a travesty. It's a travesty! Well, they made so Lord. So Megatron in the Beast Wars was a uh, a dramatic, scenery chewing, hammy Camp. villain. Yeah. Yes. yes. I've got a great plan. Yeah. All this stuff. In this one, it's just a generic. Hell. Oh please. <laughs> uh, dude, dude, you'd be another guy. Give that voice to another guy. They must give that voice to Scorponok. He didn't even say anything. Scorponok was there. Scorponok was a general in in <laughs> uh, Beast Wars. I mean, this he's just like a bodyguard. I'm, I'm not like I'm sure like the fans appreciate shoving him in. Um, it looked great. I mean, visually it looks great. Yeah, that's the um, thing. Rat Trap was was almost there. Um, yeah, although they missed. Well, we've only watched three episodes. Maybe it's a big reveal yeah. later on. But they so missed so many opportunities to work his bloody catchphrase in. We're all gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> Optimus, I got, I got, I grew used to Optimus. What? Cheetor was fine. He was great. Cheetor was great. Cheetor was perfect. Rhinox was fine. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, but what, what I was talking about the plot as well, like there's, there's a character uh, in here, who I won't say who, who comes to an end. And it's kind of a homage to the to the original series aliens, and they just rushed it. So we didn't have time to bond with the character. It was kind of like they knew it was fan service. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. They knew it was fan service to to kill him off like that, and it was just like you didn't have enough time to care. That's what I mean by the rushed. It was yeah, rushed. It wasn't yeah, rushed plot. Yeah. It was rushed character development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they should have saved that for finale. Hmm. But meh. Do you know what? I'm, but I have to say, it was cool to see. Um, it was just, it was just cool to see Beast Wars again. It was it was it did draw us both in. Yeah. A little bit. Had it not been so late, I think we probably would have watched it all. So yeah, I'm gonna finish it anyway. Yeah. But, same here. Same here. Uh, what a letdown. Unlike the later series of Rick and Morty, that is all guns blazing. I know, it's the best series, easily. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. There might have been highlights in the previous series, but as a series so far, this is what I wanted Rick and Morty to be forever. It's yeah, it's brilliant. Um, Unhinged, mad, Weasel Diesel. Fantastic. <laughs> I want more Weasel Diesel in my life. Uh the the Cenobites were amazing. Um did you, have you have you gone back and watched the sperm episode yet? No, somehow I missed it. I don't know how I did that. It's very funny. It's very, very, very funny. Yeah, nah, man, Rick and Morty, man. Like, um, it had that uh, early peak when it became kind of notorious for the fans telling off people for watching it. You need a very high IQ to get Weasel Diesel. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't work anymore, does it? So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Early on, it was more, you could say, edgy. It was more, like, philosophical stuff. Now it's just, just jokes. And yes, I definitely. and I love it. Yeah, I'm, no, me too. I'm very too. happy with it. Me too, definitely. Uh, I I can't remember if we said it last time, but Wenwolf is the best <laughs> gag I've ever heard. I I laughed. Holly turned to me and said, "I've never heard you laugh like that before." <laughs> I was like, "That's just that's that just blew my mind. That, <sighs> a circuit in my head tripped." It's he's <laughs> gold. I mean, to get to where we are, how long have werewolves been around for? How long has time travel been a thing in popular culture? And no one made a Wenwolf. No one ever made a Wenwolf. There must be some sort of award that should be given to them for, for, for such a simple thing. I suspect that was Rob Schrob. So mm-hmm. Dan Harmon, I followed for for years. Uh, one of the influ- reasons I wanted to do a podcast, a radio show, was for Dan Harmon. Anyway, his mate Rob Schrob uh, is like dumb funny. He'll be able to say something that's just funny, right? Just because of the way he said it. Like, there was a podcast episode when he just talked about chops. Gonna dip them chops, and it went on for about twenty minutes. It was the funniest thing I've ever said. And uh, he recently joined the Rick and Morty writers team. And there used to be pictures posted on Instagram of like, they would just take things out of the hat. So right. they'd write all these like one liner gags or puns, put it in a hat. And they just, when they were, had no ideas, they just pulled it out. And I'm pretty sure Wenwolf was one of them. Oh, really? Oh, well, don't put that in a hat. That's going straight in. Oh, sure. man. What, what else is in the hat? Yes. It's, the hat. <laughs> it's a hat that's probably worth, like, millions of pounds. Oh, man. There's just so much to watch at the moment. I watched the bit of uh, Jamie Clarkson's farm. What do you think? I liked it. I want to be a farmer. Easy watching. Oh, you might not by the end. No. Well, I don't want any bloody sheep. No. I want to sit in a tractor and go... 
There's something very cozy about seeing a tractor at like three o'clock in the morning going around. Yep. Like I remember I used to stay at like a, a farmhouse up north when I was younger. Did you? Yeah, I did. Every year, me and my family, we know. (laughs) We used to stay at bed bed and breakfast up north. And it was on a farm. And it was was so cozy to go peer through the curtains in the middle of summer and see a tractor going up and down at night. Very good. Yes, I can imagine that. I just like the idea of sitting in a field, uh, eating a pork pie. Yes. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Anyway, so last time we watched 300. We did watch 300. It, to me, was bleh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, on reflection, it's a fun movie, whatever. Uh, you know, listen cool. to him. Yeah. Changing his opinion because someone said hey, we mate, were wrong. That's a, lot, that's a good thing. That's a good <laughs> thing that to, to reflect. You know. Fair enough. I yeah. think it's a teenage wet dream that I can't I, be asked I with. agree. I agree. Okay. I agree. But, you know, it's some, it is good olives for some. But we are picking up the links once again. And I've got one for you today. Oh, really? Let's see where the link takes us and what film we shall watch. 300 is a sweaty murder upon of a film directed by Zack Snyder of DCU fame, but was adapted from the comic book of the same name, written by Frank Miller. Frank Miller, as well as a successful comic book writer, also took a turn writing for Hollywood, including a failed attempt at writing Robocop 2 and 3, which are still miles better than the awful 2014 remake, though it did feature the wonderful Abby Cornish, who later went on to star alongside John Krasinski in Jack Ryan. John Krasinski has now made a name for himself as a film director, having recently made A Quiet Place 1 and 2, where he cast the broody Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy has spoken often about his role in Peaky Blinders, having won the role over from the director's first choice, Jason Statham, who is known for his roles in Snatch, among others. Snatch also featured an American dual expert, Cousin Abby, played by Dennis Farina. Notably, Dennis Farina starred as Detective Joe Fontana in one of those beloved crime dramas on television, Law & Order. Law & Order included multiple roles played by one Edward D. Murphy, who in the early 80s had a short-lived career as a writer-director, including my choice for this week's film, the cult classic sexy martial arts come zombie B-movie that is Raw Force. Yeah! Yeah, wow! Look at this guy go! One take, baby! <laughs> yeah! Nailed one it! One take! Wow, that Oh was my god! What a link! That was a tricky link, but we got there. We got Raw there. Force, 1982. I can't believe that Raw Force is that closely linked to 300. That's just incredible. Yeah. It's just it's on the other side of the coin, really, isn't it? It just, is. Two peas in a pod. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about Raw Force. Yes, indeed. It's a fun B-movie cult silly thing yeah and it's just what I was in the mood for and guys you know Adam I think we're going to st- be doing more of these um, we did one the other week we're going to keep up I think we're gonna, you're going to be seeing a few more B movies as the year goes on yeah not ev- boy not every week but you know frequently alright well let's uh, get on with the show kicking off with my first review Film Reviews, Old 2021. No kids allowed on the beach? What? That's not true! Oh no! Oh no! We never leave each other. 
Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Can you believe I found this online? Well, I guess it's not that secret a beast. What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. Adapted from the Franco-Swiss graphic novel Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters, Old is the latest in a long line of plot-twisty genre-bending films by M. Night Shyamalan. Announced back in 2019, Old was filmed on location in the Dominican Republic during the pandemic and tells a story that evokes some pretty familiar feelings from the time. But that's by the by. Old kicks off with the Kappa family arriving at the luxury beach resort. The family, made up of Father Guy, played by Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, Mother Prisca, played by Vicky Kreps, uh, 11-year-old Maddox, played by Alexa Swinton, and 6-year-old Trent, played by Nolan River. We quickly discover that things aren't exactly right with the family, with the parents bickering and arguing while the kids listen on in terror. Later, while eating in the resort restaurant, the Kappas are encouraged by the resort manager, played by the disarmingly charming Gustav Hammerston, to visit a nearby secluded beach, and are swiftly joined by another family, including a surgeon named Charles, played by Rufus Sewell, his trophy wife Crystal, played by Abby Lee, their daughter Cara, played by Kyle Bailey, and Charles' mother Agnes, played by Kathleen Chafont. Arriving on the beach, the two families are blown away by the beauty and settle in to have a truly perfect day. Well, for a while anyway. While playing a game of hide and seek, Trent breaks away from the group and is startled by a dead body floating in the sea, who arrived with rapper mid-sized Saddam, played by Aaron Pierre, who had been keeping to himself on the beach. Alarmed at a potential crime scene, Charles instantly accuses mid-sized Sedan of outright murder, and with the arrival of two new tourists, namely Patricia Carmichael, played by Nikki Amica Bird, and her husband Jarin, played by Ken Leung, the group decide to take instant action and leave the beach. But it's not that easy. The moment anyone attempts to walk back through the sheer rock face to civilization, they lose all sense of direction and black out, stumbling back onto the beach with a massive headache. Things escalate further when Agnes falls ill, which is at first attributed to the shock of finding a dead body, but there's something else going on. One look over at the children is enough to confirm it. Where once there stood children, now stand four teenagers, with Maddox, now played by Thomas and Mackenzie, and Trent, eventually played by Alex Wolfe, and Eliza Scallon as Cara. Something's not right. Something's going on. In fact, it turns out that every half hour spent on the beach, a year passes in their bodies. Something that's way more obvious in children, the elderly, and, as it turns out, rotting corpses. Now, in true Twilight Zone style, the story turns to the adults as they try desperately to find a way out. But as each attempt fails, the melancholy sets in. Perhaps, the characters wonder, it might be best just to spend what time they have together and to say the things that they've always meant to say. 
Blech. Now, as you may expect for a film made on a tropical beach, Old is a genuinely beautiful film. Great scenery, some novel attempts at cinematography, and some impressively claustrophobic filmmaking. But unfortunately, The Twilight Zone comparison works in both ways. Old tells a closed, simple story that just doesn't stretch to the full feature format. As the characters age, it feels like the film starts looking for things to comment on and do. Case in point, Crystal, it turns out, has a calcium deficiency, which, as time passes, leads to her snapping and cracking in agony. I guess for no other reason than for a shocking visual, but sadly, this caused more laughs in the cinema than any startled gasps. The dialogue also felt stretched and forced, with an extremely odd focus on each character explaining, at length, what they do and why they do it. Why? Who knows? Jaren points out multiple times that he's a nurse, and yet during a medical crisis that comes up, he's no more useful than anyone else. He does, however, make the bold attempt to swim to freedom. So why not make him a swim teacher? Unfortunately, these questions plagued me far too often and it really took me out of the film. Style? Yeah. Story? Meh. It also doesn't help that I totally understand why the characters ended up on the beach and actively encourage the reason behind it. So, oh, if you have any concern about wasting your life or any thoughts that you might not be making the best of it, I suspect it may have an impact on you. If, on the other hand, you are freaked out by shrieking women not doing anything to save themselves, well, old may also have an impact on you too. Otherwise, I think it's best left watching this when it's on Netflix. Oh no. We're here for a reason. Welcome to the most juicy, juicy episode of Fortnite Smortnite we've ever had. Whoa. Yeah, some big, big movie news coming at the end. Oh my god. But first, the next Predator movie is an origin story. In an interview... It's cool, I'm actually, I'm actually on board. In an interview of Collider... Did you see the last Predator film? No, because you told me it sucked so bad. Yeah. But this, this is good. In an interview of Collider... Uh, John Davis and John Scott, um, I guess they're producers, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't care, um, revealed it would centre around the Predator's first ever journey to Earth. They compared it to the Revenant and said it's the ingenuity of a human being who won't give up, who's able to observe and interpret, basically being able to beat a stronger, more powerful, well-armed force. Now that sounds to me, and I know there's a female protagonist in that one, I'm hoping that it's set in like America, in like the 1800s or something how cool would that be and there's like a woman who's like kind of down and out or on the, or, or wandering the wilderness and then there's a predator tracking her down and she there's a bit in the film when she's communicating with it she's trying to run away if it's set then that would be really cool well there's, that's a good idea there's uh there's ground for that because i can't remember the exact time alien versus predator they say that the predators come back every I can't uh, remember how many years. Really? Okay. So there's, that is established. Because there's a link to like them coming around in the Aztec time, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. At some point. And it's to do with technology and how... And they come back every X amount of years. Yeah. It must be like 200, but that doesn't make sense because Predator and Alien vs. Predator are only like 
20, 30 years apart, aren't they? But Maybe then again, they were, years. they were uh, signalled, weren't they? Because the humans went into that temple in Alien vs. Predator. But that's because the temple woke itself up. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. Maybe yeah. Predator from Predator was just a stray. Yeah. I've always had the impression that the Predators are like hillbillies of space. Well, look here, Pa! I've got a little Austrian man. Oh, I hope they're not incestual. Wow. That's they do look pretty incestual, don't they? Yeah, they've originally beautiful. They're beautiful. Like elves. <laughs> they were like if Harrison Ford was cloned <laughs> with Orlando Bloom. Yeah, and then eventually, because of inbreeding, sometimes people like in the French uh, uh, monarchy they used to get really long chins didn't they long noses oh really maybe the predators incest is that makes sense that makes perfect sense mm, yeah incestators incestators yeah yeah this is the title you heard it here first it's not called skull it's called incestators it's about is it called skull that was the, the rumour was quashed it came out that they the, they were saying this film is going to be called skull and then the guy came out and he quashed the rumours. Okay. So Have you just learnt this word? Is this on your word quash. of the day calendar? I haven't used it for a, for a year <laughs> no, or two. I haven't heard anyone say it for a long time. Uh, well, it's come back. Wonderful. Back. Anyway, uh, Netflix is developing a live-action Pokemon series. Oh, my God. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up because this could be the best thing ever. It could suck. Um, what, have we, what have we just talked about? What? They're going to give Pikachu Onyx's voice. <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> um, Onyx! Well, but, I, I don't know. Like, so, um, it's in very early development with an executive producer, Tim Rise. It's got uh, a dude from Joe Henderson, who's done like Lucifer. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, is he in it or is he making it? No, he's the he's making it. The, um, yeah, he's, he's okay. producing it and he's I was going to say, who's he it. playing, Brock? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's who is who is Joe Henderson? Uh, is he an actor as well? Uh, it's not an actor's name. Let's have a look. I think he's just a producer. He's an American jazz tenor saxophonist. That's the guy. That's who I got in. They said, you know what? I really like filmmaking and Pokemon. So they said, you're perfect. Uh, I can't find any other Joe Henderson. Oh wait, 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 wait. He's just a producer, man. Oh yes. Yeah, but. I, I feel like... I mean, they did a good job with The Witcher and stuff. So, I, I, the only thing I can see is like the, the CGI budget for Pokemon would be, I mean, hundreds well, of millions. Well, it seems though, once they've done it once, they don't have to do it again. Yeah, that's you'd, true. You'd think. I mean, it's a massive cash cow. And uh, yeah, I, I, if, the, if the writer's good, and if it's like a nicely adult themed, like I don't want it to be too kiddie. I want it to be like, there was a series called <laughs> Pokemon... <laughs> What? Tear off his ears, Ratata! Yes! I want Pokemon to die! Oh, God. Because in Pokemon <laughs> Origins, you know in the game, there's like a Team Rocket were chasing that Cubone, that Marowak, they killed a Marowak, and Marowak's ghost haunted Lavender Tower, and you had to get the Sylph Scope from Giovanni in Celadon City and bring it back to the Lavender Tower to expose the ghosts, and that way you could like actually make your way up the tower and catch Ghastly and stuff. But at the end, Marowak's ghost was there, but you couldn't catch it because it was a ghost and it went off into the afterlife and Team Rocket killed it. And they had that in Pokemon Origins and in, and in the Jack and Japanese dub, they even said the word bitch. 
So well, in the Japanese anime, they even had some boobies on a man. They had uh, James had big titties, and the red, uh, Team Rocket all had guns as well, didn't they? Actual guns. Yeah, but then again, they did give the entire country an epileptic fit with that Porygon episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really living in hard mode difficulty in the, <laughs> being a Japanese kid, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm excited and scared at the same time. Please don't screw it up, Netflix. Please don't screw up my favorite thing in the world. Which Pokemon would you be most excited to see live action? Um, it would have been Charizard, but obviously we've seen uh, Detective Pikachu. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see a Nidoking or like um, Zapdos or something maybe, or Rayquaza. If we're going to talk first generation. Yeah, the only ones I know. The only ones you know. Uh, yeah, one of the legendary birds, freaking Dragonite, using a Dragonite using Hyper Beam. A Dragonite delivering posts. Yeah, like in the first movie. Oh, God. The movie that put you off. Oof. Yeah. Well I thought I've d- I wasn't sure if I remembered correctly then. You remembered it absolutely uh, correctly. What about, I would like to see a herd of Tauruses. Yes. And Being lifted up by Mewtwo and then caught by Team Rocket. This is in the film. A Kangaskhan? A Venusaur? A Venusaur? Um, I want to see a live-action Jesse from Team Rocket, and you'll never change my mind. It's not a porno, Adam. You wanted it adult. I did, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Jesse, 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 Jesse. But yeah, Pokemon. Expendables 4 is happening. Expendables Yay. 4 is happening. Sylvester Stallone on social media put a photo of a big gold ring with a skull on it, and he said, Just finished designing the new ring for Expendables 4. It's a little heavy, but it'll definitely put some muscles on your feet, too. So... Clear as mud. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was in... That's uh, recording. Oh, wow, well, that's uh, really good. He, he, um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, from what I remember of the Expendables trilogy, I remember the first one I, I, I quite enjoyed in the cinema, and there was lots of really good gore and stuff. And then it got to the third one, and they removed all the gore so they could, like, make more money off of it and make it 12A. And Mel Gibson was in it, and it sucked. Um, All I remember was the first one, and the fire was the same graphics as Command and Conquer from 1995. <laughs> it was rubbish. Did you, uh, yeah, but then there's that bit where Terry Crews is walking along with that freaking minigun, and he's going ah, and people are flying. Do you know what? I might appreciate cool. it more now. You I might. might need to go back to them because now I feel like I need a bit more dumb fun. It's got Jason Statham that you see this knife. What? Yeah, and he's... I remember that in the first one as well. It's really weird. He's got like a love story, hasn't he? Where he's looking after a woman who he loves. And it's Charisma Carpenter. Who's Charisma Carpenter? Cordelia from Buffy. Oh! And it was so like... Oh, yeah. What? 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 Oh, I've seen her in yet. Like, his voice. Yeah. She just popped up. Oh, she's alive still. Yeah. Okay. Didn't, uh um... Because normally you'd, you'd expect it to be a young, you know... It's very, so it was unpredictable. Didn't um, evil Buffy dickhead, um, what's his name? Uh, Josh. Josh Whedon. Yeah. Did Josh Whedon ruin her career? Was he? Was that one of the it's ones? It's been argued, but you know, did, he was just a big. She did do some things, but they were just rubbish. Oh, uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a huge exaggeration. He was just difficult, wasn't he? He was just made their life a bit. Made like their life hell. Yeah, yeah, Horrible. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, uh, Expendables 4. We're not really waiting for it, but when it comes around, we'll watch it. 
Star Wars and Jurassic Park stop-motion guru Phil Tippett has released a trailer for his stop-motion horror movie Mad God, and it looks cool. So this movie has apparently been 30 years in his head or in the making or whatever, but um, recently got, well, fairly recently got a Kickstarter, largely funded by a Kickstarter. It's got no describable plot, and apparently it almost... Oh. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> no, I was... Uh, oh! Being the being of maybe uh, we're trying to work out what the plot might be. So if there's no actual plot, that's quite interesting. Oh! Jeffrey, fetch the <laughs> caviar and cigars from the pantry! But me and Jenkins were discussing the possible plot uh, of the I film. Do it immediately, I'm putting on airs for my guests. <laughs> Um, sorry, he he said, um, I always thought of this thing as a memory or a ghost world of mankind. Ooh, okay. It's what our consciousness was left with after we left. It's an idea of a dream within a dream. It definitely has a narrative structure to it that you follow all the way through, but I wanted to hit on some feeling of evolution. A lot of my interest in my unconscious was developed by writing my dreams down. I'm a very prolific dreamer. Well, it certainly has a nightmare quality to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's what I like love, what underworld. I, what I really love is there's bits. So what's the film called again? Mad God. Mad God. Mad God. If you haven't seen it already, look up the Mad God trailer. It's amazing. It's beautiful. One of the things that really stuck out to me was the old school stop motion. There's monsters fighting, mm. but it was in that kind of clunky way. Yeah. But that really stood out and felt more real. It's really hard to place that i don't know whether that's a an age thing or a nostalgia thing but seeing kind of rubbish stop motion made me actually more yeah oh, respond massively. to it more it was, yeah it's very interesting it's because it's just something we're like deprived well not deprived however you want to look at it it's just something that's not in our lives and in our viewing like at all anymore. yeah 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 i mean there's been a lot of puppet stuff like jim henson stuff recently but like proper really good stop motion aside from like some hardman stuff this is old school mm. yeah this and, could have been made 50 years ago yeah and um i watched uh so there's a how it's made movies version on netflix um and it was the jurassic park one which is really interesting but uh it showed phil tippett's kind of making these stop motion dinosaurs and then the other two like special effects gurus saying well we can just make a real t-rex oh yeah, yeah. and you literally see in this documentary the world changing the world changing yeah. film shifting massively and um how it kind of they they bought him they they kept him on as like a kind of dinosaur supervisor to like model because he was really into dinosaurs to change the models and like show how the cgi would like stream together if that makes sense but that man it's a fascinating very it's worth doing just to test the lighting which i feel like people probably skip that's a very good point just make the model put the light where it's gonna be and then you can see how it's gonna that's yeah that's i'm not even sure people do that yeah because they do. like uh they do use a lot of modeling for lighting stuff because there was uh, i watched a behind the scenes in 1917 with uh, roger deakins was showing his technique and that, oh that's right that beautiful scene where the in i the, think in the ruined it's just after he blacks out and they half the film and he that's wakes it up that's again. it yeah 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 and they, they're shifting the little lights around to see how the lights are changing yeah um, but yeah, um, that aside, um, the biggest news, the biggest news which is actually making quakes all over the world right now, Adam. Yeah. Quaggers has won two more awards. What? Quaggers has won Best Gore Short and 
best special effects at Indie X Festival in Los Angeles. Whoa. And furthermore, was nominated, and nominations still count, for Best First Time Director and Best Dark Comedy. Yeah, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing news. Really, really exciting. Amazing feedback as well from our followers and non-followers online. Uh, yeah, it's just very exciting. It's very cool. It's a wonderful time to um, we like we dreamt we dreamt of this moment from the moment we opened our eyes. No, yeah, when we when we were in uh, like pre-production, it was something we always talked about. Imagine coming to the end and getting to the point where we we're like winning stuff and. And obviously yeah. COVID happened and it was delayed a year and a half and here we are now and we're, we're reaping the fruits. So probably should have announced these better, but we uh, we were also semi-finalists at the Sin- Sydney Indie Short Festival uh, for best, I want to say best horror, oh no, best first time filmmaker, and semi-finalists at the Absurd Film Festivals for short film. But we also still have... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. We've still got ten more festivals. We still don't have any word from it. And all this before we screened at Horicon in May. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's right. I mean, there's still plenty more to go. I don't imagine we'll get all of these, but after the initial first wave of getting it all out, I kind of picked and chose a bit more. So I've got us in Zed Fest. Ooh. Uh, Splat Gimp Film Festival, Festival. Oh. Beer and Blood, Krampus Nut, Freaky Films. So hopefully, fingers crossed, over the next couple of months, we'll get some more feedback. We're going to rake in some more. There'll be new posters covered in reefs. It's going to be great. Oh, it is. We're probably going to have to rework it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally, totally. But yes, very exciting. Um, the best thing of all is I keep getting emails now saying, now you've won. You can do this. Really? Really? I didn't know about that. We're special. It'd be nice to have money though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Pay us. Someone, for the love of God, pay us. If someone wants to contribute $475 so we can get a uh, statue, an actual physical award, <laughs> they are very expensive. And if someone wants to contribute, uh, like, maybe 50 grand, um, that would be nice as well, just so we can start on the feature. I'd really like 50 quid. Five pounds? But 50p? Anything? Hey! Whoa! That's cool! So it concludes for Night Shmore Night, unless you've got anything else you want to say. Well, just to add on to our beg for money, if you do like what we do, I'm going to say at the end of the show anyway, but if you want to get in early and support us as we work on the next project, do look us up at www.patreon.com slash Media. And all our updates, all our next projects, and there will be some new projects, uh, will be shown there first. Yes, do. Help us help us achieve our dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Big John Taylor, mercenary, soldier of fortune. He's more than a man. He's a walking death machine. Candy O'Perrin, sexy undercover cop. Her deadliest weapon is her body. Mike O'Malley, Hollywood's top stuntman. What do you want us to do? Fight our champions. Only this time, the action's for real. And Rick Chan, black belt. 
primed for action with one blow. But death blow. Only two words describe the power and fury of this unstoppable team. Raw force. Join them as their carefree vacation cruise turns into hell on the high seas. What was that? Hey! Final port of call. Warrior Island. Uncharted and unexplored. We should not be here. Burial grounds for martial arts masters from the past. Their resting place is defiled. They rise from the dead to avenge their honor. Who will win? The living or the living dead? Join John Dresden, Jillian Kesner, Jeff Benny, Raymond King, and Cameron Mitchell. As they band together with the incredible power of raw force, untamed and unleashed to kill. Raw force! Raw force. Um, a movie title that you could just chop and change with any other 80s yeah. bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Raw Force, also known as Kung Fu Cannibals. Kung Fu Cannibals. Uh, 1982 martial arts, action, horror, comedy, sexy, rompy. Adventure, cruisy. Oh, it's got everything. If, no, no, when I say it's got everything, it's got everything. Yeah, it's it's just a revolving door of events of <laughs> and characters of indescribable yeah and characters who are yeah very we'll, individual and unique and ridiculous we'll mention we'll go through all that but raw force i mean first heard about it from uh from the old red letter medias but this is one that stood out to me in my head because of a few things cameron mitchell being one hitler being the second thing yeah hitler was wow <laughs> hitler was so um so yeah jumping ahead of it but there's a villain the the villain is um hitler in a white suit with a twitchy eye um literal (laughs) mustache it's so dumb good morning good morning mr spear take off the clothes cooper will you please have the ladies undress sure man um yes the Hitler bit is particularly dumb so the the amazon prime shudder description really sold this film to me I'm going to read it out now. Uh, a group of martial arts students are en route to an island that supposedly is home to the ghosts of martial artists who have lost their honour. A Hitler lookalike and his gang are running a female slavery operation on the island as well. <laughs> okay. As well. Yeah, fine. That's good. It's, um, <laughs> they, they, the thing is, they had the budget to fly everyone out to the Philippines to shoot this movie. And then there's there's and they've got the boat, so they've they've had to hire a boat. There's budget in this film, but then inexplicably, there's moments of like just complete crap. <laughs> yeah, which is just yeah. like it, it's just such an unbalanced movie. Yeah, it really. I mean, at first you I, you mentioned that it has an Indiana Jones vibe to it. Yeah. Then it becomes a crap B movie for a bit. And then it goes into... Then there's some actual martial arts stuff that's really cool. But then there's... Yeah, and then it's Animal House. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything. It's a chameleon of a film. It's just constantly changing its colours. It's uh, so yes. It it was written and directed by Edward D. Murphy, who uh, later became like a bit part actor. Right. He did Law and Order and various other things. It's very, oh, okay. It's a very strange sort of uh, career that he took. Um, but obviously, I think he started out making terrible films, and. There's a lot of talk about Cameron Mitchell in the world of B-movies and cult films. Cameron Mitchell is the gold standard of terrible films. He was the captain, the sea captain. Right. This is positively my last sailing for that woman. Said the same thing last time, Captain. Time before that, too. This time, I mean it. I mean, all she wants is profit. She doesn't spend a nickel on this tub. I mean, look at it. Crappy maintenance, inept crew. Well, present company accepted, of course. And he obviously had such influence on films that he was in. Not only was he the, the leading name on the poster, but his girlfriend got a main role in this film. He had such sway that he was able to get his girlfriend in as a major character. Wow, a legend of the... Of the... <laughs> of, of... Well, I don't know what you call this screen. Not the silver screen, the... The... Sharty screen. Yeah. The uh, so yes, Hope Holiday who played the uh, the older woman who's his nemesis. And then at the end they kiss, don't they? It's all a bit weird. Yeah, it's and she very wouldn't strange. shut up. Hmm. She wouldn't shut up. Yeah. I was getting furious with her. How did so I mean we're we're introduced to the island we're introduced to a lot of elements of the movie straight away in the first scene. So this gang of like teenage morons one of which is like you know there's a guy in the dungarees there's a dude who like like as the film goes on he gets plasters on his face um and he just looks ridiculous but um yeah so they land on this island and uh they're dropping off women who they've kidnapped from whatever sort of asian city that they've just been to and there's these laughing monks who come to collect them um in exchange for jade so they've got all these um women who are like just wearing knickers or whatever and uh they all it just it's a quite an uncomfortable scene really it's yeah not... so they get a load of women off the plane they're forced to strip them they pop them in a cage and they weigh the cage against the jade i've had one. Oh no what's wrong with her oh skinny too skinny so what Hey, what are you doing there? What are you doing with that basket? You there! What's going on here? Move out! What are you taking out of there? Hands off that jade! We can't let these thieving bastards get away with this. Start breaking necks. Hey, that's no good, man. Then we can't come back next week with another load. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, but what are they going to do with the broad? We can't take her back on the airplane with us. She knows too much. Take the jade and leave. You gotta take her back. We don't want to take back her. This could ruin our whole operation. And as she's standing there, then a blonde man painted entirely in grey, wearing some <laughs> sort of kimono, comes up behind her and does the old slash with her off screen. And slash and blood. blood goes yeah. Over. Yeah, slash and blood, yeah. Uh, but you can tell from this scene that they don't... The, the deal, the arrangement, is not a comfortable one. The gang, the Hitler gang, they're not particularly happy with what's going on. Hitler and his goons aren't yeah. satisfied with the operation. They're a bit, they're, not only is it because it's not that profitable because they got Jade taken away from them, but they're a bit like... Why do we... There's a line, isn't there? It says something like... Um, you know, there's one thing I can't understand. If the monks like sex so much, why don't they go directly to a whorehouse and buy it themselves? 
They're not buying the girls for sex. Then why are they buying them? For food. Are you serious? They claim that female flesh gives them the power to raise the dead. Which then begs the question, why raise the dead? Are they trying to raise an army? And bear in mind that these dead um, are kind of on a par of fighting level with like the good with the heroes. So they're not like incredible by any means. They're beatable. Their main power is they walk in really, really slow motion. Yeah, every yeah. Scene that they're they in. slow the whole universe down around them. I wouldn't even say they're necessarily zombies. Or are they the traditional zombies? Are they under control? Oh, maybe. Though rather than ghouls. They're not wild rampaging ghouls. They've still got their martial arts powers. Still got the martial arts powers. They're still... They still use weapons. They still do flips. They still... There was no effort whatsoever to show any sign of decay apart from painting them grey. There was yeah. no, like, lost, you know, muscles or anything. They're dudes with grey face paint on them. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Which is perfect, which is all we want. Well, this is the thing, and this part of the film it starts off quite somber-ish, but as the film develops, it becomes a Saturday morning cartoon. I've said this a few times recently, but it feels like a cartoon. Hitler and his goons against <laughs> Captain Harry, the martial arts uh, former Vietnam pilot. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just oh, so... 100%. Like, especially when you cut back to the baddies and they've got big stickers, big <laughs> plasters on their face. Oh, it's so silly. It's very silly. Um, so, yes, we, we cut then to a bunch of holiday makers. The, what was it, the Burbank Martial Arts School? Are you the boys from the Burbank Karate Club? In the flesh. Well, hurry up, we're ready to embark. Cameron's character and then like a, a martial arts chef who's really good at kicking ass and then there's like a the blonde LAPD officer who's really good at kung fu and like there's the whole trope of hey let me show you how to fight and she's like okay go easy on me and then she kicks his ass that kind of thing um and then yeah like a brawl breaks out on deck and everyone's kind of... Well, yeah, so basically there's loads of martial arts students who go on this boat, which the woman, there's a woman who's running the event, and it's like a cruise ship, and she's promised them a chance to land on the mythical Warriors Island to do their martial arts stuff. But also on the boat, uh, which is captained by uh, Harry Dodds, Cap- Cameron Mitchell, um, it's just a load of people. There's just loads of people. Who, oh, we keep meeting new people as well. I mean, they come up... So there's the there's a scene which we're about to talk about, which is coming up, which is the best f- film scene in history, where they are coming out of the floorboards. Like, there is no... Unless they're all below deck, it's just inexplicable that all of a sudden there's this party and there's, like, dozens of random strangers. This- yeah, so we meet... We, we follow two or three martial arts guys. Um... One of them flirts with I don't know their names because none of the because it's no, a, a cult film. All of the IMDb pictures are blank. <laughs> but okay, we got one. We got John Taylor. He starts flirting with, um, yep, no idea what the name is. A girl who is married, but yep. the but the husband's like, hey, whatever. Let's just get a drink. It's all good. But when they land in whatever port city. The husband's about it. He go, he takes the he takes John to the to the brothel. No, not it's not even John, is it? It's the other one. He takes he takes one of the guys. He takes to a tough guy number one to the brothel. Yeah, there we go. And uh, so they're having fun in the brothel. He's going and get you know. There's a weird scene when there's a girl looking down his pants and stuff. And then tough guy number one, who's the brave good guy, 
He gets talking talk to the barmaid, asks her about Warrior Island. But wouldn't you know it, Hitler's there. Hitler walks in. Small world. Yeah. And, uh, and he overhears him talking about Warrior's Island. Why in the hell are you going there, if you don't mind my asking? I understand it's where martial arts criminals meet their maker. That's pure bullshit, my friend. Let me give you some good advice. I would avoid Warrior's Island like the Black Plague. And just at that moment, his goons rush in and kidnap all the girls because they're just one more brothel being knocked down by Hitler and his goons to sell for jade. And I like the strategy within this film. So they, they disguise themselves as police. They have a big orange van which says, like, something supplies on the side. And then they slide a board off and then it says police. Yeah. So they can pretend to be <laughs> policemen, run into these brothels, kidnap all these naked women, shove them in the van, take them off to a plane, and then swap them with some crazy laughing monks who will then eat them. Yes, yes. But of course, tough guy and husband, git husband, get away. But Hitler watches them go. And they know now that there's an island, there's a boat on its way to the island. It's not really explained. But to cover over, uh, Hitler and his students go after the boat. Right. Because they know that there are women there, which they can use for more jade. And that's when it happens. And that's when we cut back to the boat and have... The most fun. <laughs> it's the most fun. I could watch this the whole film. Yeah, all right, mate. If there's an hour and a half of this party, it's so there's 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 like two. Well, there's there's the guests on board who are just having a drink, but there's also a thirtieth birthday. Yes, and the thirtieth birthday features a man who is not in the right place. <laughs> Nor is he thirty. <laughs> I think he's Steve. I think it's I, Steve. I think it might be. I think it's Steve. Attention, everybody! Today is Steve Polanski's 30th birthday. Let's hear it. Yeah. It's really hard to describe. So let's just work out some of these characters. So, so. you've got Steve, the, who's a bit prudish and um, is uh, horrified by the idea of anything sexually abnormal. My ex-boyfriend couldn't make love to me till I did a striptease first. What do you call that? Fetishes. Listen to fetishes. That's really sick. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of liked it myself. And he's being flirted with by a murderous, mafia-related beautiful woman. Yeah, who killed her ex-husband. killed her former husband. She's on the run. Gee whiz, your boyfriend must have been far out. Yeah, I guess you could say that. What do you do for a living? You belong to the mafia. Who's a hood? What do you do? Me. I teach third grade. By the way, where's your boyfriend now? He's dead. He's dead? Ah, I'm sorry to hear that. Don't be. He was a no-good bastard. Oh, well, sometimes it just... He just couldn't keep his hands off other women. I'd come home and find them in my bed. He was a rotten son of a bitch. So one day I had enough. I couldn't take it anymore. So I ended it. Oh, oh, I see. And you took this cruise to get him out of your mind, right? I took this cruise to get myself out of the country. Why? There's a stupid little murder warrant out for my arrest. Oh, well, I sure hope they get this boat going. Uh, uh, I'm real anxious to get to Warriors Island and see the monks. Yep. <laughs> you got this, uh, the worst, well, the strangest bartender 
ever. Because a bartender made of entirely pubic hair. <laughs> he's 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 got this tiny bar which is effectively <laughs> ice, which he headbutts and then takes the ice from the headbutted ice and puts it in a cocktail. He tries to chat up the older woman. He's got this big bald dome head, but the rest of him is pubes and little eyes. Uh, there's a there's a little scruffy man in the toilet who's trying to get uh, the trousers off of a topless woman. Yeah, and he's like, "You just have to calm down. You just have to relax. You can't." You're not concentrating on this. Maybe you're too tense. Don't you have any Vaseline in your purse? Maybe some three-in-one oil. There's a mat, there's a couple on the floor and there's a guy walking home with a birthday cake and he stumbles and splats the birthday cake. Yeah, and there's oh god, who else we got? We've got the male stripper who tries flirting with Cookie. Yes. Uh there's a, an absolutely gorgeous girl comes in who's going to be a, a the center spread on Playboy. Yeah. And she starts chatting to this guy she thinks is hunky and he's a religious weirdo. <laughs> Tell me about the centerfold. <laughs> the centerfold. Well, it's really not for positive sure yet. Well, we still have. Why are you doing it? For the money? Well, gee, like I said, I don't even know if I. For the publicity? Well, sure. I guess you could say that I. You're not doing it for the publicity. I know why you're doing it. Why am I doing it? For the devil. The devil? Yeah. Look around this place. It's the devil's den. Are you joking? No, Betty. The devil's no joke. <laughs> oh God! And in yeah. the background, there's a there's a blonde man who's completely naked, apart from a white set of dungarees. There's just so much going on. Every frame has so much going on. It was just madness. There was one frame where it had the three of them together, and then just in the back was the pube man just just, <laughs> just, Sonny, watching. just watching and it was yeah it was just a really beautifully oh god and then <laughs> and so during this party as the party winds down uh the couple start appearing they start coupling off and then the bad guys attack and we've got bumblebee man <laughs> the entire village people uh a mexican wrestler the dude yeah um, uh, a, a a Nazi symbol wearing biker man, yeah, and they start attacking, and it's it's hard to work out what they're actually doing. They capture one of the blonde main blonde women and a couple of the others, but they seem to be killing everyone else. They then yeah. our heroes all kind of emerge to fight them off yeah. because they're kung fu karate powers. They beat most of them off. Yeah, they they kill like they kill off half of. Hitler's force. Meanwhile, uh, Cameron Mitchell is the is obviously the captain, so he's telling everyone to stay in their in their rooms. There's an emergency situation. We don't see anyone else die, but when the boat's set alight by fake fire that's been overlaid really badly, they only the main characters get off on the dinghy. Yes, there's no attempt to save anyone else. We don't see the other people dying. And as far as we know, all of the fun characters we've just met at this party are now all dead. They burn alive and sink to the ocean depths. And it's a shame because, like you said, you said at the ending of the film, there's a perfect opportunity to have a plane fly over and see that ship or see them on their own little lifeboat. They would have been the most 
satisfying ending to a film. They should have watched that this movie back and thought we've created some really lovable characters here. We need to give the audience. Well, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Like they spent so much time with these weird characters that are just thrown away. They all they needed. They they've got that life raft already that they used when the guys went off. Use yeah, that yeah. same life raft. Get those characters and say right tomorrow morning when the sun comes up. Getting that when they film you in the water. Yeah, done. Or they just put the fire out. We just put the fire out. Yeah, anything. Yeah, it's very, it's a bit it's a bit weird. It's very callous of the main characters. Ow. We've told them all to lock themselves in their rooms, but they'll be fine. We want to go to Warriors Island more than those guys want to go to Warriors Island. Yeah, and of course that's what happens. They get on the dinghy, they go, they get adrift, they get seen by Hitler on his plane. Mm. <laughs> what a sentence! Yeah, uh, and so Hitler knows that they're alive, so they all go back to the island. Oh God, where they get kidnapped? Oh, there's there's kind of a lost esque like. It's a scenario when one. The... Who, who made you in charge? You know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. Let's go, Lloyd. Who elected you the leader? Nobody. I'm just saying we gotta get out of I here. I don't give a crap what you're saying. I got as much right as anybody to call the shots in this group. Um, but then they get ambushed by Hitler and his goons. They fight him off again. Hitler gets away with his lead goon. And then the monks arrive. Then the monks arrive. Uh, fellas, there's some gentlemen behind us. Welcome, my friends. Who the hell are you guys? I wanted to ask you the same question. Follow me. What do you think? Like the man said, let's follow him. And the film changes again. The film changes again. The gear changes. The laughing monks uh, decide to challenge them. The, the laughing monks, they're like really the... The guy's in control, right? They're, they've got people who are selling to them. They're like rich business owners. So for them, and their, whatever their motive is, apart from raising the dead who will do their, their means, they don't really do much to help the situation. At any point, when the actors are breaking free, when the actors are trying to escape, all these monks are doing is standing there and going, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> lost in powers laughing. You know, like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> are you not worried that your plan, your evil plan, has been foiled? Well, Warrior Island, as they keep saying, is where the unhonourable dead are buried. Mm. So the monks must be the guardians of these warriors, right? Yeah. But they're able to raise the dead by eating woman flesh. Mm. Which we see. We see a bit of that. It's quite a little bit grim, really. Yeah, the corpse is horrible. Yeah. Uh, So are they doing that to give them an opportunity to regain their honour? Because when they speak to the heroes, they say, "You you must fight our champions. Mm. <laughs> I hope I'm not doing a disservice to the writers, but I think you might be giving them too much hype. Maybe, praise. maybe. Um, it's quite it's possible. A, it's a very good theory. Um, It'd be nice if the film told us that. Yeah. Yeah. See, in the old days, a uh, professional killer like a Shogun or Ninja used to be able to do just about anything they damn well please. Oh, yeah? That may be three things be a bully, fight dirty, or run away. If they did any of those things, uh, they were all cast in society. The only way they could make things right was by committing suicide. 
Why did they do that on Warriors Island? Well, they believed that the monks would uh, make them raise again from the dead to fight. That way they would uh, get a second chance to uh, show their stuff. Uh, so it just, at this point, nothing. It just becomes a sort of running fight. Yeah. The our martial arts guys are just fighting off the zombies. Then Hitler keeps coming back. Oh, that Hitler! Um, there's piranhas in the water. Yes, and... There's the, some great decapitations. The uh, the actual martial arts, but throughout the film, are really good, though. Yeah, really enjoyable. Must be said. Some of the camera angle was a bit rubbish, but the actual fighting is a, great. A lot of it is very kind of Power Rangers-y, uh, silly... Uh, useless somersaults and stuff, which is really enjoyable to watch, yeah, especially yeah, actually. in the context of this film. Well, there's, like, a, there's but, a bar fight when they try and kidnap Cameron Mitchell, yeah, which is really good, That's brilliant, like genuinely really good. It just, again, it's just those camera angles. Then there's a fight on the beach that's quite good, and you've got zombie guys doing flips over trees, which is really fun. Yeah, it's a really nice decapitation where black bile starts pumping out the, the yeah, next stuff. Awesome. Really cool. This is the thing. Some of the stuff in this is really fun and really, like, well done for the presumably very cheap budget. But I think that's... Um, this is a very good formula of a B-movie. This is as, this is about as good as you could ask for in the context of, like, really, really stupid, but effects to the extent that you can enjoy the spectacle of it. Um... But then, but but when you get those moments of dumb and badly done, it takes you by surprise. And it's refreshing, and it's like, oh my god, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. so bad. And true. it's kind of the perfect balance of a B movie. It's what you, it's it's everything you want. The only the only thing it lacks for that, and I think they were trying to go for it, but the so all the sexy babes are all all look the same. Yeah, which is not. Ideal, because you're like, which one's that? Yeah, that is true. Just but equally, all the hunky hero men all kind of look the same, and all kind of act the same as well. Yeah. At least there's, with a lot of the female characters, a lot of them have different, like Cookie's a uh, martial artist herself, so mm. that separates her from blonde victim girl, I don't even know if she had a name. Uh, but, but the guys are all, yeah, we're hunky men. It's just a bunch of hunky white men, aren't they? Yeah. That's, and a bunch of beautiful white women which um yeah like, it makes it hard to discern one character from the other and so there's no like you know like, oh, okay yeah whatever um that's the only thing that as opposed to like your other cult classics like samurai cop every character is completely defined yeah you know that's the only i would say on a cult level that's what's missing there there's yeah. no character yeah there's no one guy yeah apart from hitler it. Apart from Hitler. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, but one question I wanted to ask before we start, before I, I wait till after. The film has so many, like, onion level, you know, unraveling of layers and layers and layers. Which bit would you have liked a whole film to be? The boat. The party on Just the boat. Just the party on the boat. A hundred percent. There's no other answer. And the second follow-up to that question is, could you make that film? I mean, you need to... You need to get a load of drunk 40-year-olds, I think. Um, <laughs> a, a load of drunk, single or divorced 40-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. Horny 40-year-olds at a party and then just sit in a corner and write down what they do. 
it's club 30 to 50 isn't it yeah yeah you need to i mean don't get me wrong there's a load of like 25 year old girls there and stuff but it's the kind of the way they're acting and the stupidity of it you need some people who have do you think they were going for a 1950s adventure film or 1930s adventure film the fact that hitler was there that there was a seaplane yeah but boat crews sort of if you will yeah yeah totally the the jade the treasure there's a treasure element it's very adventure cruise. Yeah, it's interesting. Very, uh, yeah, sorry. It's very a weird, uh, yeah, so it's kind of almost got a, well, like you said, Indiana Jones is probably the best way of describing it. It's like a very cheap Indiana Jones it's where they crowbarred in martial artists. A bit of romancing the stone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. I'm really glad you picked it. As B-movies go, this is possibly one that most people enjoy. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not. It's not like a, a masterpiece of B movies, but it's a good one. It's a good it's a, one. And it's, it's a really fun one. Yes. Yeah, and if you enjoy your B movies, definitely watch it. I'm gonna say it's going in my hall of fame. All right, I support it. I support that. I support that movie. It wouldn't personally for me, but um, I'm happy. For, I'm happy to add it in. I'm not against it going in. Maybe we should have a, a B movie, the bin. The bin. The bin of fame. The bin of the fame. The B movie bin of fame. Yes. We need to do something with this. Anyway, yes. Raw Force! Thumbs up. Adam's Film Reviews. The Suicide Squad 2021. You gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. This coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. Hopefully Harley's still alive. No funny business, Colonel. These are dangerous people. Team 2 is clear to go. Fire up. 3, 2... What are you guys doing? What? You, we're, we're here to save you. You were gonna save me? It was a really good plan, too. Well, I can go back inside and you can still do it. That's patronizing. I'm so sorry. Harley Quinn. Blood sport. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. Times are hard. You fail to follow my orders in any way. I detonate the explosive device in the base of your skull. Can do the job so this is the famous Suicide Squad. Nom nom. Any questions? And? Yes. That is your hand. Very good. We're all gonna die. I hope so. Kicking off the shackles of David Ayer's Suicide Squad and adding a very deliberate the on the beginning of the title, The Suicide Squad is the latest film from Troma alumni James Gunn, and boy does he want you to know it. Fresh off his temporary firing from Disney, James Gunn took the reins of the latest DCU film back in 2018, diving deeper into the pulp war comic come 80s golden era of storytelling with a new cast of characters and a decidedly fresh and sadistic tale to tell. Enter Amanda Waller, played again by Viola Davis, a government agent and director of Argos. Nope, Argus. Now Amanda has a deal to make with the inmates of the DCU prisons, whether they be metahuman, gangsters, supervillains, aliens or weasels, Amanda has an offer. 
In exchange for 10 years to be taken off their sentence, each villain is tagged with an explosive chip in their spine, armed and sent into battle to tackle the missions too dirty and too dangerous for the likes of the Justice League. For those who volunteer, they are known as Task Force X or, more commonly, the Suicide Squad. And for those in the Suicide Squad, there's a very special mission in mind, namely to tackle the wonderfully titled Project Starfish. Based out of a former Nazi laboratory on the fictional island nation of Porto Maltese, the objective is to shut down the project and destroy all recorded data, no matter the cost. Recruited for the main team, we have Idris Elba playing Bloodsport, a stand-in for Will Smith's Deadshot character from the first film. We've also got John Cena as Peacemaker, an all-American anti-hero who fights for peace, regardless of who he has to kill to get them. We also have the affably dumb King Shark, played by Steve G in body and voiced by Sylvester Stallone. We've got David Dasmalchian as Polka Dot Man, uh, regarded as the dumbest villain of all time by James Gunn. We've got Daniela Melchior as the rodent controlling Ratcatcher 2. And we've got Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, the military overseer of the mission. And of course, we have Margot Robbie as fan favorite, Harley Quinn. And together, the Motley crew must fight through the Corto Maltese military, aiming directly for Project Starfish and its evil overlord, the cybernetically enhanced Gaius Greaves, played by Peter Capaldi, a character that should have absolutely been Capaldi's take on the Doctor, but oh well. As with any James Bond film, the strength of the Suicide Squad is in its super violence, its sharp wit, and it's absolutely earth-shatteringly good soundtrack. But while the action scenes deliver in their own gruesome, heavy-hitting way, the strength of the Suicide Squad, for me, comes in the moments in between. Each character is given ample room to breathe, expanding on their backstories whilst engaging in verbal boxing matches with other members of the team. It doesn't seem fit to mention, but Idris Elba is absolutely the keystone of this whole film. His delivery, his performance, and indeed the abilities of his character are enough to sell an entire story, much less an ensemble. But with his opposite number in Margot Robbie's now more grounded take on Harley Quinn, there is a solid two-hander in the making of this film. Not to mention the absolute peak of comedy whenever we confront Polka Dot Man's childhood and his dreaded mother. The mega-violence and character set-pieces, however, do go on to culminate in one of the most ridiculous and yet most terrifying third act across the entire comic book movie genre. And yes, I do realise that is one hell of a big statement. So, in summary, The Suicide Squad delivers on every promise, full of wonderful characters barbing and jibing against one another, confronting a global terror, and, at its core, a story with a heart. Now, every film James Gunn makes feels like he's woven in his very DNA, and this is no different. Make The Suicide Squad your first film to go back to the cinema for. It's absolutely worth it. Also, it will give you a good context so when you start seeing all the Harley Quinn cosplayers in big red gowns all of a sudden. So it's a win-win. We love the rain. It's like angels are splooching all over us. Well, that was the show, Adam. That was indeed the show. What a good time we've had. Awards, B-movies, 
stuff. It's been brilliant. And you've been all the way along for the ride. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for listening. And do tune in next time when Rob will be picking a favourite, childhood favourite, life favourite of his for his birthday. Yay! Birthday Rob will be special. 47 years old. I will. No, yeah, I, I, I feel dead inside. <laughs> yeah. it's just, just then there was a look of pure loss in your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Oh, well, we've still got a couple of weeks of freedom. Right. Please follow us on www.hollow... No, please follow us on social media by typing in Hollow Dell Media and you'll find us. And www.patreon.com slash Media. How's that? <laughs> um... How was that? Do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hollowdale Media. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just making sure that it was, everyone heard it. Cool. Yes, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Oh, well, 